0: Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. All right, so um, we are continuing on in our series LHC DNA. We're looking at... Uh, what are the things, what, is, what, what really kind of defines us as a church, what gives us our flavor? If you're relatively, uh, you know, new or maybe this is your first or second time at Living Hope, uh, you picked a great series to jump into because it's really us telling, you know, who we are. And, you know, every church has its own flavor, its own differences. And, and, uh, and so even beyond, uh, not so much about what we believe, we believe pretty much like most evangelical churches believe. Um, it, it's just, we, we want to talk about what it is, how it is that God made us maybe a little bit different uh, than other churches and, and, uh, and some of the things that we do intentionally, some of these things just kind of come naturally to us, it's just it, we we couldn't have planned it, it's just who we are. And it uh, and, and re- really kind of hardwired into us as a church. We started off talking about our mission as a church is just simply this. It's, it's glory to God, hope to people. We're going to give as much glory, maximum amount of glory as we possibly can to God at every opportunity we get. And we're going to offer the hope of the gospel to people at every turn we, 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 we can as well. And, uh, and then after that, beyond our mission, we, we kind of start dialing into what are our core values? What are those things that really kind of give us our flavor as a church. and The first value we talked about was that we're going to pursue an intimate relationship with God because he pursues us. We serve a God who is in active pursuit of us. He loves us. He doesn't uh, just uh, leave us off to our own devices. Instead, he, he, is, he is chasing you. You are being chased this morning. You may think, I don't feel like I'm being chased. You are being chased. He chased you right into this room this morning and you didn't even realize it. He's sneaky that way and uh but god is pursuing us so we want to be a church that pursues him back that we want not only is he an active pursuit of of us we want to be an active pursuit of him and we want to be seeking the things that are important to him our second value was that we're going to recognize the bible as god's word to us and the final authority for our lives and we talked about how if, if you're a follower of jesus christ and you reach that point to where you finally stop arguing with the word of god and just say okay if god said it And that's the pattern for my life. That's how I'm going to live my life. Those are, the Bible's values are going to be my values. The the Bible's, you know, the scripture's priorities uh, are going to be my priorities. And and when you get to that point, that's a level of spiritual maturity. That's a huge benchmark in your faith. And we're going to push you towards that, towards that mark. The third value we talked about was uh, that, just this, we're, we talked about this last week. We're an honest to goodness family and we'll love each other, respect each other and point each other to Jesus, even when it's hard even when it's hard. And I love that last little bit there, even when it's hard, because the truth of the matter is, if you, are, if you love a brother or a sister in Christ enough to point them to Christ, sometimes it is hard to do. Sometimes uh, we notice uh, destructive patterns in, in the lives of our friends in Christ, and, and, and we have to have tough conversations with them. It doesn't mean we're judging them. It just means, I see you heading for a cliff, I'm not sure if you see it, I'm gonna say something before you go over. And, and, and those conversations, if you don't have those conversations, you cannot call it love, right? If you see your kid uh, actively running out into a busy intersection, and you just say, well, let's see how this plays out. Um, that's not love. That's not love. You go snatch that kid by the, the arm, and uh, maybe even get a little slap on the diaper, and, and you know, whatever you got to do to make sure you teach them that lesson. We don't go out into the busy intersection, and that's that's what a loving parent does, a loving friend does the same thing for their friend. You, 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 you um, love a person enough occasionally to have some hard conversations with them. Value number four, we're going to laugh hard, loud, and often. Nothing's more fun than serving God with the people you love. Amen? Amen. I, we, we are, we're a laughing church. We love to have a good time. And so we got serious gospel bringing business to do to this community. But along the way, we're going to, we're going to have as much fun as we possibly can. And we like to have fun as a church. So this week, um, the value that we're really talking about, we're going to hit three of of these statements, but we're talking about um, this idea of of, uh, relevant environments and relational discipleship. Relevant environments and relational discipleship. And when we say relevant environments, we mean this. Go ahead and put that first uh, phrase up there, uh, Garrett. It says this, value number five. We believe it's a sin to make the gospel boring. It's a sin to make the gospel boring. We will, we will consistently, or we will constantly, surprise people with engaging presentations in extraordinary, unexpected environments. We believe it's a sin to make the gospel boring. We have the most life-changing, life-affirming, life-giving message in the history of planet Earth, and to make that message boring is, is just a sin. It's, it's such a sin, I've, I've believed this for years and years and years, to to bore a kid with the message of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a horrible, horrible thing to do to make the message of Jesus Christ boring to a kid. There should be nothing more exciting. This is not something that we have to manufacture. It's not something that we have to fake. It's something that is ingrained in us as people that this is an, a, this is an amazing message and we're going we're gonna to d- uh, relay that message in his... Not delay it. We're going to relay that message in as in as many different uh Creative, exciting ways as we possibly can. And that comes from you know, in our kids' programs, doing you know, thinking creatively and, and what kind of maybe little object lessons will make this message stick, or fun activities can we do to make this message stick in them to where they remember it and it stays with them their entire lives. In our teen ministry, you know, we're gonna we're gonna play some goofy games and, and do some silly stuff that, that is, you know, that maybe even some slightly dangerous stuff, I don't know. But we're gonna do some stuff that is gonna is gonna uh, have a lasting impact impact on a teen's life why because this message is too important for us to make it boring too important for us to make it boring in 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 adult church we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna have a, a music for instance that is relevant to the kind of style of music we typically listen to we're gonna you know put styrofoam plates on a blackboard and shine lights on it we're gonna do some I mean we're we're gonna do some things that that just that just Give, it, give the gospel message a little bit more pop. Now, don't confuse what I'm saying here. I am not suggesting that the gospel needs any help from us. The gospel is great all by itself. We don't need to assist it. The Holy Spirit and the gospel alone can do a great job. But God calls us to bring the gospel to people, and anything we can do little bit more enticing a little bit more interesting this is the reason why recently with our uh, our ushers and greeters and Ellen uh, we talked about her last week Ellen is, is leading that team now and uh, she's she's doing a great job this is the reason we now call that team the wow team we want to surprise people that this is this has kind of been my buzzword over the last few months that I I want us to be a church and I think you want us to be a church that when people come into this room they are surprised by what's going on here not only surprised by the message and the way it's delivered and that sort of thing, but they're surprised. Like, I wasn't expecting to feel that well. I wasn't expecting this to feel like home on my first trip here. I wasn't expecting to be treated the way I was. I, I am just walk out, walking out surprised like that was amazing. That was refreshing. And we want to surprise people with the gospel because this is the thing. When you get a hold of the gospel, there's nothing more surprising. There's nothing more surprising than finding out that dirty old you is loved by the God of the universe. That's shocking. That's shocking. I don't know about you guys. I don't know about your background. I know my own background. I know the things I've done and the choices I've made, and it is shocking that a God will still choose to love me. Amen? Amen. Are you aiming for me or for yourself? I hope you're aiming for You're like, it is shocking that he would love you, Jeff. That is, that's scandalous even. So, so that's good this, i'm going to read this uh, scripture to you first um, corinthians chapter nine paul says this it's so good one of my favorite things that paul writes first corinthians 9 start with verse 19 he said for though i'm free from all i have made myself a servant to all that i might win more of them to the jews i became as a jew in order to win jews that I may share with them in its blessings." I love that, that teaching. Paul, Paul's attitude about what it takes to reach people with the gospel. He was like, I'll do anything. I'll become anybody in order to uh, reach people with the gospel. I remember my, my first uh, full-time youth pastor gig. I did a lot of youth pastor work before I came to Living Hope. And my first full-time job, I remember I was having trouble connecting with the kids in the youth group. And, and uh, you, know, you, you know, when you're new, it takes them a little while before they kind of start including you and ask you if you want to be a part of things and, and you know, that sort of thing. And you're, you're trying to find an end to their life. But I remember, like, within the first few weeks of being at this church, um, a bunch of the boys had said, said hey, we're getting the, uh, you know, the, the WWE, uh, you know, pay-per-view thing tonight, watching the big wrestling match that's coming on. You guys want, you want to join me? And I remember my first reaction was, I hate wrestling. I mean, I just, I just, I, I hated at the time, hated wrestling. And, um, and so at the, when they were like, no, nah, I was like, no, nah, I'm really not into that, but thanks for asking. And they did that like two times before it, like I, I'm a little dull, okay? And it finally clicked on me. They are inviting me into their life and I'm telling them no, right? And then, so the third time I was like, please ask a third time because you know, I'm dim and it took me a little while. Third time they asked, and I was like, I love wrestling, let's do this. And so, so get in there, and I, even though I hated wrestling, became a huge wrestling fan. I learned all the moves, I learned all the, the key players, I learned everything about, you know, WWE wrestling, and, and uh, just really got into that world with them, and you know, just screaming at the TV, and laughing, and the whole thing. And, it, I, I, and so I would become what I hated in order to reach these kids. And, and sometimes we have, don't you do the same thing with your own kids? Don't, aren't your own kids, as they get older, don't they become interested in things that you're like, uh, I have no desire to know anything about that at all. And, and, but, but if you want to spend some, you know, quality connection time with your kids, sometimes you have to be interested in things that you're not really interested in. And it's kind of the same thing with, with uh, you know, as we bring the gospel to this community, we're going to look for inroads into people's lives so that, so that we can become all things to all people so that we might win some, so that we might win some. We're not going to win them all, but we're going to try to win some of them, and that's huge. And we say it this way. This is the way we kind of sum up Paul's teaching there, our value number six. And I think I have a typo, and I called it value number, uh, a different number. And so anyway, so it says this. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching, we'll have to do things no one is doing we're going to do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. And if we're going to reach people, and this is a key thing, I want us to be a church that is about reaching people that no one else is reaching. We do not want to participate in that whole, you know, beloved environment of, you know, sweep, uh, sweep, sheep swapping between churches, right? You know, where you just, it's just sheep bouncing around from church to church and, and all oh, my churches are growing. And then, you know, a, a month or a year from now, well, the next church down the road is growing and they just, they just jump, they just jump all over the place. That's not what we want to be about. We want to be about the business of reaching people that no one else is reaching. It anybody can reach a Christian, Right. This is why uh, we've had I've had very intentional conversations with our church staff. I'm not really going to spend a lot of money on uh, putting on a big Christian concert. Why? Because who does a Christian concert draw? Christians. Christians. So if if I would much rather, you know, spend some money on, on some pagan out there, No, I'm just teasing. And, and, uh, but I, I, you know, we're going to, we're going to direct our outreach efforts in such a way that it's going to reach people that no one else is reaching. No one else is reaching. And, and, and that's, that is key to us. In fact, let me take a little side trail here and just say this. If you're a person that's somewhat new to Living Hope Church, and maybe you came to us from another church. Maybe, you know, you're not necessarily that person that no one else is reaching. You're just looking for a different church. I would say this, and, and I've had conversations with many of you about this, and, and, and here's, my, here's my philosophy about that. If you're considering leaving one church to attend this church, um, I would say, first of all, do that very carefully and very prayerfully. Very carefully and very prayerfully. That decision to leave a church should be an extremely difficult decision for you. It should not be something that you just jump into. It should be a heart. that's your family. That church, good, bad, or ugly, that is your family. And, and you need to uh, show them the kind of love and respect that you would your family. Now, let me, let me add to that. There's a couple caveats to that statement. I've also, in my life, been a, been a part of some churches that, just plain and simple, were extremely dysfunctional, extremely unhealthy churches. And sometimes, when you are in a situation where you feel spiritually, almost like spiritually sick in that church, you need to go somewhere where you can get well again. And if that's you, uh, we welcome you in. If you feel like you've been in a church where maybe you were. Or, or or just spiritually dying or whatever, we, we welcome you here. And again, though, it should be a hard decision. The second caveat to this is I always tell people this. We're not looking to pull people from other churches here in Dixon uh, because we feel like we're, here, we're, we're all part of the same family. But if you're coming from a Vacaville church, all bets are off. We're, we're going we're gonna to come after you. Uh, because Backville has taken Dixon residents for long enough. We're taking them back. And uh, amen. So, so that's good. I, I love, I, this is what I love. You know, I think, and, and again, I'm relatively new to the community. I've only been here about five years. But from what I've, ha- you know, talked to uh, people and conversations and that sort of thing, I think Dixon has had kind of a long history of some, of some, uh, Church uh, dysfunction and some and, and, and only that just kind of some spiritual oppression that had gone on in churches to where the church movement really has not grown in Dixon the way it has grown say in Vacaville and things like that and so I love that we as not only as this church but I, I see it happening in other churches across this town where I see that tide beginning to shift and and Dixon is taking back this community for Christ and I love that I love it. And so, yeah, we're, if, if, if you're a Dixon resident going to a Vacaville church, uh, yeah, we're going to steal you. And so that, that's good. So um, all right, so we're going to do anything we can to reach people, anything, anything. And I love crazy ideas. And sometimes we sit around and brainstorm just crazy ideas of how we can reach this community. And the crazier, the better. And, uh, and, and so that's good. I love it. So let's do this. Uh, Matthew, so when we talk about reaching people no one else is reaching. It's really important that we define that. And Jesus defines it just great uh, for us in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18 um, and following says this. It says, and Jesus, and this is right as Jesus, he's he's died on the cross, he's risen from the dead, he's getting ready to ascend to heaven. And this is his parting words to his disciples. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, listen to this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, Jesus is in full recognition that he has all authority over the universe. He is the ultimate authority in not only this world, but in the universe. Okay? And this is what he says. So, because I have that authority, this is what I'm telling you. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, knowing that he has all authority over everything in the universe, his words to us is, his charge to us is, the person who has all this authority is telling you, I want you to go and make disciples. Now, his disciples knew exactly what this, what this meant. Why did they know what it meant? Because he had spent three years in, in relationship with them, m- turning them into disciples, right? Right? They had been his disciples for three years, so they knew exactly, he had modeled it for them, they knew exactly what he meant. And this is our job. When we talk about we're going to reach people no one else is reaching, this is what we're talking about. We need to be a church that is about the business of making disciples. We need to be about the business of making disciples. Now, I'm going to define that term for you a little bit and kind of dial in a little bit further on that, because I think. I've talked about this before, but there's a lot of confusion around that term disciple. Let me tell you, um, and I'm not going to do it right now, but I've done it dozens of times to to this congregation and other congregations where I'll call for a show of hands. Raise your hand in the room if you're a Christian, and almost every hand in the room will pop up, right, because we're in church, right? So yeah, every hand, and then I'll say this, raise your hand if you're a disciple, and one, maybe two hands we have somehow over the course of the last 2,000 years divorced the idea of Christian and disciple and that concept you will find that nowhere in Scripture nowhere we weren't called to go make Christians we were called to go make disciples and this is the thing that when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ you're not just signing up for some sort of title to be a Christian you're signing up to be a disciple, a Christ follower. That's why I, I, I personally love that term Christ follower opposed to the, to the, to the word Christian because Christian has become so uh, whitewashed over the years. I am a Christ follower. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, what disciple means, it does not mean that, like, okay, I, I, you know, started this relationship with Jesus, I asked Christ into my heart, I wanted him to be the Lord of my life, all that, I asked him for forgiveness of my sins, and so now I'm a Christian, now someday when I want to up the ante and become even more committed, then I'll be a disciple, no, that's not what that means, when you begin following Jesus Christ, you are a disciple, You may be super disciple and you may be weak disciple. It doesn't really matter, but you're a disciple of Christ. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do is recruit followers of Jesus Christ to recruit them. And we're going to do the very best job that we possibly can at recruiting them. Can I just challenge you? Stop thinking yourself as some sort of, you know, Christian light and, 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 and instead start seeing yourself as God sees you. You're a Christ follower. And really, it just becomes a question of how well are you following? Are you following from a distance, or are you following closely? That's really the question that you have to ask yourself. Now, this is our our, our seventh value, and it's this one. That we um, we know the most effective way to make disciples is in personal relationships. This is key. This is key. If we're going to be a church that's about the business of making disciples, it's going to happen most often in the context of personal relationships with people. I can do disciple making from up front and preach sermons and that sort of thing, but it's not my role as pastor to to be the sole source of disciple making in this church. My role as pastor is to equip the body so you guys can be out duplicating, multiplying yourselves, making disciples. We, we have a church that's growing, praise God, God's blessing, and great things are happening. We have always had a church that, that grows naturally. We, we, Living Hopers pop out babies quicker than any church I've ever seen in my life. It's great, we got that natural church growth going on, it, it, it's good, and we still got it going. We got like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, four or five buns in the oven right now, and, and that's, that's wonderful, I love it. But I also want us to be, we can't, we're not gonna keep up with the kingdom growth just through that natural church growth method. We need, some, we need some disciple-making going on, amen? And that happens when you as a Christ follower decide, you know what, I don't know it all, but I at least know a little bit. And I don't know exactly what to do, but I know enough that I love this person and I want to see them in a relationship with Christ. So I'm just going to start having some conversations with them. I'm going to start having some intentional, intentional, not accidental, intentional Conversations with people that I care about, and invite them into this relationship with Christ. And it's not a matter of you knowing what it's all about, or knowing all the information, or having the Bible memorized, or being able to preach a sermon on the spot, or anything like that. It's just simply a matter of you being able to say, "I, don't, I may not know it all, but I know what He did for me, and I can talk about that." I can talk about that. And when you begin to do that, when you begin to have these conversations, and I'm going to share some other up with you here in just a second that, that, is, that is real key, it's real crucial, but uh, when you begin to do that, disciple making begins to happen. This is what, what is hard for us, though. You know, you know, I should have put a verse up there, but it just popped in my head. There's a, several times throughout Scripture Paul uh, instructs his readers to um, follow the pattern that I set before you. That's what he says. Follow, follow, you know, live your life the way you saw me live my life. And the problem with us as Christians is that we feel really awkward saying that to other people, don't we? We feel really awkward saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to follow, you know, just, just live like I'm living. Just live like I'm living. And some of us are like, oh, they don't want to live like I'm living, right? That's going to be a rough disciple if they start living like I'm living. But this is what we do. This is the thing about disciple making. It's this question. It's, it's who are you investing in and Who's investing in you? Who are you investing in and who's investing in you? Because you need to be pouring into someone, but you'll never reach a point in your life where you also don't need someone else pouring into you. It is critical that you are not only discipling people, but you are also simultaneously being discipled. That we, again, we never reach that point to where we don't need that. It is, it's amazing. It's it's amazing how much we do need that. I, I, I talked about how I, I had my little personal retreat this last week, and, and I kind of you know, was keeping a little note, notebook about you know, just little impressions that I got from the Holy Spirit throughout the week, and, and uh, a lot of them were just di- different kind of random things, but a couple of them I kind of categorized as, categorized as still small voice moments, and it was uh, just two different times. One was for me earlier in the week, and one I felt was for the church It came later in the week. And the one that, that, that came for, for the church was just this, I, I felt this, again, still small voice, kind of, you know, in your heart of hearts, you kind of feel that, that spiritual uh, nudge from God. And it was just this, this simple statement that living hope needs, living hopers need to be about the business of making disciples. Everything else is just sprinkles. I know that sounds silly, but every, this is my thing about the sprinkles, okay? Like, um, I love it when you talk to people and you start talking, uh, you, know, I, you know, stuff you put in your ice cream or on your cupcakes or whatever, and, and you ask somebody, what's your favorite flavor? I, God love those people who say, my favorite flavor is sprinkles, okay? Can we all please agree, because please? if you don't agree, you're just wrong. Sprinkles is not a flavor. It's just not a flavor. It, it's, it's not, it doesn't have a taste. It's just, it's just like, Sugary foam. It, it, it is. It is. It com- is almost completely devoid of taste. It's not a flavor. It just makes whatever you're eating look a little bit more festive. That's all it does. It adds a little bit of sugar content, maybe, but it doesn't have any real taste to it. And this is the thing, the thing that was impressed on me so much is that we, as a church, you know, we can. You know, and we, we we've made some steps recently to to kind of. You know, dress things up and make it look like we're, we're actually you know more intentional about some of the things that we're doing, and, and we're doing some some different things here and there. And but I'm going to tell you everything, all of this, and 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 you know, logos on a water bottle, and lights on the wall, and, and any dressing up we do in the our kids' space or with our teen space or anything, it's all just sprinkles, basically meaningless and worthless if we're not making disciples, if we're not about duplicating ourselves and passing the gospel along to people who need it. It is a complete waste of time and money for us to do any of this. We have to be a church that's about the business of making disciples. Amen? Amen. Come on, I I, I am so, we have to be this. We have to be this. It it, it should not just be, disciple making is not just an activity for a, a chosen few. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know there is a biblical expectation on your life that you will also be making disciples. That you'll also be making disciples. Passing that gospel along. I think, first of all, it start, if you're a parent, I think it starts with your family. If, if you're a man, it starts, it starts with your home being the spiritual leader in your home that, that the Bible expects you to be. We need to be, because what a shame would it be if you made a hundred disciples and forgot to disciple your own kids. What a shame that would be. I think it starts at home, but it doesn't end at home. I think you get out and, and, and you learn how to disciple other people. And I'm, We as a church are going to be much more intentional about this in the coming weeks and months of teaching you, training you how to do this. It's really not rocket science. I'm going to tell you, have you looked at the lineup of the disciples? Have you read what kind of guys these were? They, they were oftentimes very dim-witted, and if they could do it, and granted they had Jesus kind of showing them, but I'm just telling you, if they could do it, I'm confident that we can. I'm confident. I'm not, I'm not disparaging the disciples, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, they weren't the, you know, smartest tax in the drawer. So um, this is what we, this is what we need to do. We need to be a church that's about disciple making. I came across, when I was reading uh, scripture this week, I came across this parable and it stuck out to me like a sore thumb and I have to read it to you. It's a parable that you've all heard and we're going to dismiss in, in just a second, but it's the parable of the talents. And uh, a, a talent, before I get into this, let me, let me give you a quick, if you don't know what that is, um, talent in, in this particular passage is not what we think of as talent. It's not like, ooh, you know, they have a pretty like that's not that's It's not America's got talent kind of talent. A talent was actually a monetary, uh, you know, a, a piece of money. And it was a, a big piece of money, money. It was a huge piece of money. As some would say uh, one talent somewhere, you know, short of a million dollars. It was a large, uh, massive amount. Let me set that up. Right Matthew 25, start with verse 14. <clears throat> it says this, For it will be, Jesus is talking, he's telling this, this story. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he, had the, uh, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. <coughs> and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made, uh, made five talents. More. And his master said to him, Well done, Good and faithful servant, which, by the way, in Scripture, that's what hopefully we're going to hear when we get ushered into the kingdom of God in eternity. Hopefully, Jesus looks at us and says, well done, good and faithful servant. So Jesus says this here, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received um, um, the two talents did that. Let me see here. Two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Okay. Let me stop here just before we get into the reaction of the master. Okay. Um, you have a guy who had five, roughly $5 million that invested it and gave back $10 million. You have a guy who had roughly $2 million who invested it and gave back $4 million. Now you have guy, a guy who was entrusted with a $1 million. He buried it and brought the million. Now, now get this. This is not a guy who took and he didn't, he didn't steal from his master. He didn't go spend his master's money. He didn't lose it or squander it. He just simply saved it. And to most of us, we would think, well, that's not, that wasn't a horrible choice, right? At least the, ma- at least the master got his money back. I mean, that's not, that's not a horrible choice, okay? For most of us, that, we might think that. But that's not what the master thinks. And look what the master says right here. He says, um, but his master answered him, you wicked... And slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give, to, give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, who has will more be given, and he uh, will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. This master, who is symbolic in this story for God, right? This master received back from the servant what he gave to the servant, nothing more. And his reaction is, you are wicked. Not, not even, ah, I was expecting a little bit more, I'm a little disappointed. No, you are wicked, wicked. Now, now, get this, a lot of times this passage is used to preach this concept of, of you know, that when God gives us gifts or abilities or, say, uh, finances or whatever, if we just keep that to ourselves and don't invest that in the kingdom or whatever or invest ourselves into the kingdom, um, then that's wicked. He's given us those things for a reason, is to further his kingdom and advance his kingdom. But think about what is the greatest gift that Jesus Christ... That God on high ever gave you? What's the single greatest gift he ever gave you? Just himself, just the gospel, the gospel message, the good news that you don't have to be perfect and have it all figured out, that he died for you to make a relationship possible between you and God. That gospel message that he's entrusted to you, that's the greatest gift, the greatest thing that we've ever been given. And what if through the course of your life and your spiritual life, you take that most precious gift that's been given to you and you just simply bury it and have nothing to show for it? What if instead of passing it along and making it increase in the lives of other people that you care about, you hid it and did nothing with it? What do you think the master's reaction is going to be to you? Do you think it's going to be well done, good and faithful servant. Do you think that? you think he's going to be like, good job? No. I think he's going to call us wicked. When he gives you his most precious gift, the life-changing message of the gospel, and you keep it to yourself and you don't share it, shame on us as a church if that's the kind of church we become. Shame on us. We need to be people who are about the business of making disciples. There is too much at stake for us to just keep it and hoard this message all to ourselves and never pass it on and never multiply it. And Why? Because, well, you just don't talk about politics and religion. But can I just tell you, that's a bunch of bull. That's a, if, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're not talking about your faith, I don't think you can call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. don't think I don't think that that applies to you you need to be a person we need to be people who are about the business of making disciples who are about the business of making disciples now I know for some of us that's a really hard message to hear for some of you you're like Jeff you just don't know I'm not comfortable and I'm, I'm not it's hard for me to share and you know whatever. I mean, whatever. I get that. I get that whole, that whole thing. But this is what I know about Jesus Christ, is that every time I've ever opened my mouth for him, he's given me the words to say. There have been so many times, it happens even when I'm talking to you guys, when I'm counseling with you, when, when you come to me with your problems. And sometimes, sometimes you guys come to me with issues that are just doozies, that are just absolute doozies. And I'm sitting there listening to it going, uh, in my head, I'm like, first of all, I'm like nodding, I'm listening. And in my head, I'm going. Jesus, I need some words because I have nothing. I have nothing right now. And every time I ever submit myself to him, he gives me what I need. And we need to be people who will submit ourselves to him and and just simply say, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know if I'm capable. I don't know if I have what it takes to make a disciple. But God, if that's what you've called me to do, I don't want to be deficient in that area. I want to be, I don't want to be the wicked one. And this is the thing, we, we, we all want to hear when we come into heaven, we all want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. But some of you are so focused on good that you're hoping good will help you slide past faithful. And which one, if you were to pick good or faithful, which one do you think is actually more important to Jesus? Because we're saved not by good, we're saved by what? Really? Nobody? Faith. Faith faith it, it, it's it's our faith that makes us good not the other way around let's be both good and faithful let's take that message that most precious gift that's been given to us and be people who are about the business of passing it on because too much is at stake amen amen let's pray father we love you and um i i, I love your word so much and sometimes your word is um is encouraging and and it, and it's just amazing. And sometimes, God, your word is convicting to all of us. And God, I can stand up here and, 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 and teach what your word teaches us this morning. And I can also admit as the teacher that I fall short of it so often. God, forgive me when I don't feel the urgency of this gospel that you've entrusted to us. Forgive me when I am not a person who's about the business of, of making disciples. And I'm not intentional about it. I'm just leaving it to chance. Forgive me. Forgive me. I love you, and, and Father, I, I want to join in, uh, in unison with everybody in this room, and just, I'm, I'm going to assume that we're all in agreement here for followers of Jesus Christ, God. We want to be a people that you look at as good and faithful, and that, that, you, you, that you look at and say, well done. And so, God, help us to be those people. Help us to be those people. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you're dismissed, can I share just one thing with you real fast? There's a great... Um, A great new book called Multiply by Francis Chan. You can write it down on your sheet if you want to. Multiply by Francis Chan. And it's all about the discipling process. And and he has... Um, he has put a, um, it's on your, um, your bulletin there, there's a website multiplymovement.com he and the other guy that wrote it with him have put together this website that's all about guiding you through a discipling process and they believe in the message th- th- so much that the entire book is available for free for download on that website that you don't have to pay anything for it and so uh, can, uh, can, would you just take a look at that website keep your bulletin, go look at it There's some videos that will kind of guide you through that process. But be a person who is going to say, I'm going to be intentional. I'm not going to leave this to chance. I'm going to start inviting people into relationship with Christ. I'm going to be a disciple maker. I'm a living hoper, and I'm going to be a disciple maker. All right? Everybody have a great week. Everybody have a great week.